Chapter Forty Five of the Inevitable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Inevitable by Louis Caparus. Translated by Alexander Texiera de Matos the inevitable chapter forty five it was all severely regulated as by rule and there was no possibility of the least alteration everything was done in accordance with a fixed law the reading of the newspaper her hour and a half to herself then lunch after lunch the drive the jeté the visits every day those visits and afternoon teas once in a way a dinner party and in the evening generally a dance a reception or a theatre she made new acquaintances by the score and forgot them again at once and no longer remembered when she saw them again whether she knew them or not as a rule people were fairly pleasant to her in that cosmopolitan set because they knew that she was an intimate friend of the princess urania's but like urania herself she was sometimes conscious from the feminine bearers of the old italian names and titles which sometimes glittered in that set of an overwhelming pride and contempt the men always asked to be introduced to her but whenever she asked to be introduced to their ladies her only reward was a nod of vague surprise. She herself minded very little, but she felt sorry for Urania, for she saw at once, at Urania's own parties, that they hardly looked upon her as the hostess, that they surrounded and made much of Gilio, but accorded to his wife no more than the civility which was her due as Princess di Forte Brasio without ever forgetting that she was once Miss Hope. And for Urania this contempt was more difficult to put up with than for herself, for she accepted her role as the companion. She always kept an eye on Mrs. Uxeley, constantly joined her for a minute in the course of the evening, fetched a fan which Mrs. Uxeley had left in the next room or did her this or that trifling service. Then she would sit down against the wall alone in the busily humming drawing-room, and gaze indifferently before her. She sat, always very smartly dressed, in an attitude of graceful indifference and weary boredom, tapping her little foot or unfolding her fan. She took no notice of anybody. Sometimes a couple of men would come up to her, and she spoke to them, or danced with one of them, indifferently as though conferring a favor once when gilio was talking to her she sitting and he standing and the duchess di luca and countess costi both came up to him and standing began to chafe him profusely without honoring her with a word or a glance she first stared at the ladies between her mocking lids eyeing them from head to foot and then rose slowly took gilio's arm and with a glance which darted sharp as a needle from her narrowed eyes said 
I beg your pardon, but you must excuse me if I rob you of the Prince di Forte Brasio, because I have to finish a private conversation. And with the pressure of her arm, she made Gilio move on a few steps, then at once sat down again, made him sit down beside her and began to whisper with him very confidentially, while she left the Duchess and the Countess standing two yards away open-mouthed with stupefaction at her rudeness and furthermore spread her train wide between herself and the two ladies and waved her fan to and fro as though to preserve a distance she could do this sort of thing so calmly so tactfully and haughtily that gilio was tickled to death and sat and giggled with delight i wish that urania knew how to behave like that he said pleased as a child at the diversion which she had afforded him. Urania is too nice to do anything so odious, she replied. She did not make herself liked, but people became afraid of her, afraid of her quiet malice, and avoided offending her in future. Moreover, the men thought her pretty and agreeable, and were also attracted by her haughty indifference and without really intending it she achieved a position apparently by using the greatest diplomacy but in reality quite naturally and easily while mrs uxeley's egotism was flattered by her little attentions always dutifully remembered and paid with a charming air of maternal solicitude in contrast to which mrs uxeley thought it delightful to simper like a young girl cornelie gradually gathered a court of men around her in the evenings and the women became insipidly civil urania often told her how clever she thought her how much tact she displayed cornelie shrugged her shoulders it all happened of itself and really she did not care but still gradually she recovered some of her cheerfulness when she saw herself standing in the glass she had to confess to herself that she was better looking than she had ever been either as a girl or as a newly married woman her tall slender figure had a languorous line of pride that gave her a special grace her throat was statelier her bosom fuller her waist was slimmer in these new dresses her hips had become heavier her arms more rounded and though her features no longer wore the look of radiant happiness which they had worn in rome her mocking smile and her negligent irony gave her a certain attraction for those unknown men something more alluring and provoking than the greatest coquetry would have been and cornelie had not wished for this but now that it came of itself she accepted it it was foreign to her nature to refuse it and besides mrs uxeley was pleased with her cornelie had such a pretty way of whispering to her dear lady you were in such pain yesterday don't you think you ought to go home a little earlier tonight and then mrs uxeley would simper like a girl who was being admonished by her mother not to dance too much that evening she loved these little ways of cornelie's and cornelie with careless indifference gave her what she wanted 
and those evenings amused her more than they did at first only the amusement was combined with self-reproach as soon as she thought of duco of their separation of rome of the studio of the happiness of those past days which she had lost through her lack of fortitude end of chapter forty five